This is the book report. What? I said, never mind. <laughs> never mind what? How was your birthday? <laughs> when? Did you just say meh? I said when. When was your birthday? I said, how was your birthday last weekend? It was last weekend? Well, I think it was last Thursday. I'm not looking at a calendar. Wait, what was? Your birthday. Whose? All right. This really bad who's on first is no longer fun. For you. Well, I mean, I'm the only one that matters, obviously. We've been over our megalomania and narcissism. Why'd we go over them? Well, <laughs> want to hear um, contenders for the worst bill of the year for the Oklahoma legislature? Uh, worst bill of the year? I don't know. Bill Clinton? Mm, no. He hasn't been the worst bill for several years. Fucking worst can, I, can I name John C. Riley a bill just so that he can be the worst bill of the year? You cannot. Please? You can't change people's names. That's generally frowned upon. But I want him to be in the top ten of the worst bills. Okay, but I'm talking about pieces of legislation and not dudes named Bill. Mm, you so should have clarified that. Well, I was going to, but you just kept talking and I ran along with the joke. So There was a joke? Did I was dead serious. John C. <laughs> Riley is a national whatever the opposite of treasure is. Who is John C. Riley? Well, Look him up. He is a famous guy, and he is the one person where if I see his name on the credits, I won't watch the movie. Hmm. Simply on principle. What's wrong with him? What'd he do? Himself. Okay. He is him. I don't think he's funny. Oh. All of his movies are dumb. It's just person. You didn't like um, Talladega Nights? I've never even seen Talladega Nights. Mm. I love Talladega Nights. He always just plays an overgrown man-child, and I hate that type of character. That's a, that's a very strong take. I don't think he deserves worse Bill just for being, well, not a Bill, and <laughs> playing a type you don't like. I don't know. I haven't seen him in a lot of things. He's solid to me. He's funny in the things I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. You're dead to me. That's fair. Um... No, I wanted you to get excited about the contenders for worst bill of the year. It's bill filing week over here, and it's always a fun game I get to play. And by fun, I mean horrible and, you know, depressing. You know, I don't know why you've been so um, just roundabout on this. Why haven't you told me the worst bill of the year yet? I was waiting for you to get involved. Um, I was involved the whole time. You just didn't really want my involvement in the okay. form that I presented it. So... First of all, one of the earliest bills filed um, was to preemptively exclude Oklahoma from all federal red flag laws for gun ownership. Okay. So that's a fun one and totally ridiculously unrealistic because it's you know doesn't work that way. Um, then there okay. is a bill that um, it's it's just a resolution, but it's saying that the people of Oklahoma want the impeachment trial to stop, which Oh, shut up. You're not in Congress. You don't get a voice, Oklahoma legislature. Calm down. Um, the third one is to declare the year of 2020 Oklahoma's year of the Bible, which just why? <laughs> what does that mean? What's that mean? What does it mean? I have no idea. 
It doesn't. It's just declaring 2020 the year of the Bible. Like, what? 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 Just very. So confusing. are they setting a precedent where this year's the year of the Bible? Next year's the year of the Quran. Right. Like. And we yeah. have the year of the Rig Veda. Yeah. Are the we year going of the Upanishads. <laughs> Raises so many more questions. The year than of the Torah. Are worth asking. Um, the year of the Satanic Bible. Then the two today that are contenders that were filed. One is. Um, we have all these license plate bills every year. We have all these specialty license plate. And one of them is making mm-hmm. a specialty license plate that just says MAGA on it, like it's specialty MAGA license plate. Nice. For the state. Is it all red? Is the entire thing just red? Hopefully. I mean, I think great. I personally think we should allow that one, but also have a tag on that you're allowed to run those people off the road as long as it's not deadly. <laughs> wow, that seems really like the exact opposite of the correct response to that. Fair. And oh, then, these people want to exercise free speech? Let's murder them. I said without causing injury, just mm-hmm. impede them traffically. Traffically? I've That's seen you driving. Word. I don't believe for one minute that you have the amount of control required to do that. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe it's Joel's specifically not allowed to do this, but other people are allowed to be dicks to them on the road. <laughs> Wait, we can specifically exempt you from this law? I'm back sure. on board. All right. Thank you. Done. And then the final one, the one that's so far actually the winner, is a bill that strips away all the rules that make it harder to take people off voting rolls. So opens Oklahoma up for those massive voter purges that a bunch of other states are in lawsuits for. We have a bunch of laws on the book that basically it's really hard to get taken off of a voter roll, and we're just repealing mm-hmm. them. Or that's a I mean, no one really votes anyways, so who cares if you get kicked off? Mm. Chances are you won't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good argument. But yeah. And so. you know what? Democracy was only ever meant for rich white landowners anyways, so I don't <laughs> see any reason to change that. Oh, the best part about all this, there are under 500 bills filed Tuesday at like 530 Bill filing deadline is Thursday at 5, and there are 3,000 pieces of legislation that have been drafted that have to be filed between now and Thursday, and I get to read all of them. So, yeah. Well, is that what you're going to be reviewing today on the podcast? No, no. And thankfully, that was the last thing I'm saying about work for a while, and I'm on board to talk about books now. Okay. Well, what are you talking about today? The U.S. Constitution. That was a terribly short book. I mean, we were supposed to pick something that you'd never read, right? I have definitely read that. Mm, sure, you have. No, actually, my book is um, by a guy named Thomas Kuhn. Thomas what? Kuhn. Okay. It's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. Interesting. Well, I have three books I could do, <laughs> but I want to... Sorry. The fact that you don't remember that book makes me really uh, sad. And the fact oh that we almost gosh, had to do an entire book... Oh my gosh, was that a Bible science book? The fact we almost had to do an entire podcast over that makes me want to die a little bit inside. Okay. Say it again. The name of it. The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. Okay, so that was definitely a book we had in that class we called Bible no, it was the book. It was about the guy who basically invented the idea about how scientific paradigms shift. Right, right. That incredibly mm-hmm. dense, but actually fairly interesting book. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Probably the this. most dense 160 pages I've read in my life. Right. Please tell me you're not actually reviewing that book for the podcast. I can. No, 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 no. I don't know. It's got some pretty good gems, such as, first, is that class of facts that the paradigm has shown to be particularly revealing of the nature of things. Are you reading it? You just have this on your desk? <laughs> by employing them in solving problems, the paradigm has made them worth determining both with more precision and in a larger variety of situations. Okay. Oh, you better believe I kept like 80% of my college textbooks. Oh, man, I kept none of mine. <laughs> Although, now that I'm looking at this book, and this is a little weird, I must have been really frustrated with the book at one point because it looks like it has stab marks in the back of it. <laughs> you were very stabby in college. You stabbed me I only stabbed in the back, for literally. The <laughs> that was an accident. It was not I an tried accident. to cauterize the wound. Yes, you also burnt me. Right. I was trying to fix the stab. Oh it was just a little stab. I mean, it didn't even break the skin, but then you pulled a lighter on me as well. Like, Right. You got to sanitize it. Were you, you got to make sure it doesn't like, get infected. What, what was the logic no, behind that No, this was before again? we started drinking. Okay. I had never drank alcohol at that point in my life. I think I was more fun, honestly. So you just randomly stabbed me in the shoulder and then right. tried to light me on fire. This... It's terrifying. Why are we friends? I mean, to be fair, I think I was actually <laughs> practicing throwing the knife at the wall, and it fell out of my hand and onto your shoulder. No, because you had walked over and pulled the knife out of the wall, and then you poked me in the shoulder with it. Oh, even better. I regret nothing. It was a good life. <laughs> Zero decision. explanation to this day. Nah, who knows? <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I'd known you for a year at that point, so I, I think that was the moment we bonded as friends. This is another weird glimpse into the relationship between me and Stephen. Mm -hmm. A bunch of completely unexplained, ridiculous events. Sometimes you just got to be a little stabby. Just, just a bit, just a bit stabby. Right. Okay. Um, I have a couple options of books I can do. Have you ever read anything by Frank Herbert? Uh, depends on what it is. Have you read Dune? Yeah. I started Dune. Okay, good. I'm going to convince you to finish Dune. That's what okay. I'm going to do. All right. What are you doing? Well, I was going to give you some options as well. Okay. So, um, because I don't know which of these you've read and which ones you haven't. So, I'm going to give you a list, and if you haven't read them, that's fine. If you have read them, also fine. I'm going to let you pick what I do today. So, Ooh, fun times. Um... First one is The Once and Future King by T.H. White. Love that book. Well, you're not supposed to say anything yet, but oh, okay. Uh, the next one was The Extraordinary Adventures of Alfred Kropp by Rick Yancey. Okay. Uh, the next one is Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. Okay. And the final one is The Thief Lord by Cornelia Funke. Okay. I have read Once and Future King and The Thief Lord. You have read The Thief Lord. That's surprising. Yes. Well, look at you. Okay. And I think I've started, or it's on my library. Stormbreaker is familiar, but that might just because I know everything. Not Brandon Stormbreaker. Oh, it's not Stormbreaker. Warbreaker? It's not Stormbreaker. Warbreaker. Yeah, Warbreaker is not familiar. All right. Well, I'm going to do, I think, the Extraordinary Adventures one then. Because okay. yeah, it's I a little out of the all. normal. Yeah. Okay. 
Dad, drumlet, I still have to go first. And yes, I just had to do the alphabet in my head. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm so stupid. Look at me. Yes, look at me through this podcast, people. Look at me. You know, we could become YouTubers, broaden our audience. We could. We could, I mean, record these. It'd be very boring to record these because we'd be both of us just sitting in front of our computer, but... Um, yeah, it's true. That's okay. It, it, it could be... It, I don't know. It could be kind of fun. Tell me about Dune, damn it. Okay, so... Um, looking at my time and starting. So, <laughs> Dune by Frank Herbert is one of the most celebrated novel, sci-fi novels of all time. If you haven't heard of it, um, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Uh, just kidding. We like listeners. Tell people about us. <laughs> but it is... Uh... This has been the desperate <laughs> advertisement brought to you by the most desperate man I know. Wow, sure. that's mean. I am not that desperate in most situations. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> just so you know, I can give you his phone number right now, and he will protest on the podcast, but secretly, he'll be really excited about it. I'm seeing someone. Thank One, you very much. Five. Eight. Okay, Dune zero. is a stops giving my podcast out on the air. Steven, stop. Um, okay. What he doesn't know is I edit all of this, so I'm just going to bleep through his portion of this episode. So it's just me yelling, Stephen, stop. Because <laughs> he just read out my actual number on the air. I'll just write it out in the description. Um, I don't put that past you, actually. But don't do that. <laughs> I get enough annoying telemarketing calls. Anyways, <laughs> Dune is a, um, it's a retro-futuristic... Uh, sci-fi so it's very star wars space Sorry, opera feel. not to stop you but i'm gonna stop you because okay. that reminded me of a side story big. so uh at school we have programs that allow us to monitor in real time what our students are doing on their computers Clever. and i was monitoring my did you say you remember no i said clever Oh, okay. So anyways, I was monitoring all of my students at once because I can see all of their screens. And I noticed that one of my students wasn't doing what he was supposed to be. So I clicked on his screen so it would zoom it in. And the kid was trying to run a background check on me through one of those weird, like, research people <laughs> sites. What? What? Yeah. A little turd was like Googling my name. And earlier he had asked me how old I was. And I thought it was just because I had a birthday recently. But he was trying to figure out my age so he could type in all the information he needed. What? Is he trying to steal your identity? What was the purpose behind no, this? No, I don't know. It like <laughs> it hit a paywall so he didn't get very far. But it was sitting there trying to find all the stuff about me. Where I live, where I'd worked. <laughs> That's amazing. What is wrong with this? That's kid? very weird, but very amazing. Worthwhile segue. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you can go back to what you were talking about. <laughs> so random. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyways, Dune is um, it's very Star Warsy, space opera y. That's your setting. Uh, it's been adapted into several miniseries and a movie. And the reason I'm doing it is because I looked up a list of all the books that are becoming movies or TV shows this year and saw how many of them I have or haven't read. And this is the movie I'm most excited about coming out this year because they've tried to do Dune so many times and failed every single time because it's a very it's a very specific story. It's very difficult to get all the meaning across. Um, 
but I'm excited for this movie coming out. So y'all should read the book before the movie happens. Anyways, the story is about this uh, this kid, um, Paul Atreides is his name, and him and his, he is forced to move with his um, wealthy, powerful family to a desolate backworld planet that also happens to be the only source of the most valuable commodity in the universe. Um, so basically, from there, his family gets um, betrayed and uh, like their power gets taken away and the planet gets taken over by a different group of people and he is forced out into the wilderness of this giant desert planet. Um, mm-hmm. So so far, so Star Wars. Um, his family uh, – so he is taken in by the natives and this is where it gets really interesting because whether it's by design or by divine intervention or clever manipulation or just gaslighting everyone – on a galactic scale to believe in this prophecy, maybe, and arguably all of the above, Paul Atreides becomes the messiah to the people of Doom. He uses that to then become a king and an emperor and basically a precognitive god in this universe. Um, And the beauty of that is that's the major plot of the story, but saying that is not ruining anything for you. This is okay. – it becomes this giant like political fight over uh, like warring between the Atreides and another family. Of the, uh, but uh, there's all this like layered stuff. His mom is from this cult, um, or this religious cult that has ceded their belief to every planet in the galaxy. And he is accidentally or purposefully, depending on – whose point of view you're looking through, fulfilling all the elements of this prophecy, but the elements aren't supposed to be fulfilled by a man, but he's doing them. Um, And then because he's fulfilling those, some of this cult group helps him fulfill a bunch of the prophecies uh, about this planet-specific deity. So he starts fulfilling those. And then at some point, if you... I have to back up just a slight bit. The most valuable commodity in the universe, I said at the beginning, is called spice, and it's only uh, accessible on Atreides or on um, this planet, uh, which I'm blanking on the name of the planet right now, which is bad. But yeah, it's only accessible on this planet. Isn't that the stuff that you harvest from the big worms? Yes, big worms produce this. These giant sandworms mm-hmm. produce spice, and spice. Right, so it's slurm. Basically, <laughs> it's that's obviously a reference to it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, spice allows everything that happens in the universe. It it it's like a drug um, that unlocks different portions of your brain and does stuff. And the more addicted to to it you are, the more specific things you can do, and the higher potency you take of it, the more specific things you can do. The uh, only LSD, reason, cool. Yeah, but it's like. Taking enough spice turns you into a um, navigator, which is the only reason intergalactic flight is possible and faster than light flight is possible. Um, right. Taking a high enough concentration in a certain uh, way makes you um, precognitive, makes you be able to see the future. Um, and spice is also super addictive uh, unless you do it the right way. And there's all these elements of it, but it gives you magic, basically. It's the simple explanation of it so um he slowly takes over kind of the world from the uh outside in and it becomes this giant game of thrones style uh political 
battle, but actual warfare, and there's a satisfying conclusion. But the story is all about, you know, who betrayed him, um, how he goes from the 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 dregs of society on the backworld planet to become the emperor of the galaxy, uh, and the moral implications of becoming a deity, basically, or a messiah when you don't believe it at all, but you need others to believe it for you to, you know, survive and win this fight. And it's all this like moral complexity of uh, fighting through that. And at some point, if everyone believes it and you have the powers that you're supposed to have, maybe it's true. And do you let yourself believe it? And it's a very, very interesting story. And I'm barely scratching the surface of all the elements that go into it. The only well, reason and that's, yeah, go ahead. The, the reason a lot of people get turned off by it is I say it's a Star Wars-y story. I say it's a sci-fi. It does not feel like that when, re- when reading it. It feels like an epic poem almost. It's very short compared to a lot of books, but it's not – nothing is given to you straightforward. It's written very, very circuitous, and it's written very like to be beautiful and less to tell a direct story. So it feels – like you have to read it slowly and carefully because it doesn't lay anything out for you. You have to just live through it. But Well, in all fairness, the reason why I stopped reading it, I think, is because I started reading it when I was 12. Yeah, and, and it's I think very it complex. just wasn't really my thing because <laughs> it was, you know, boring to a 12-year-old. Not that I hadn't read other things similarly. But, yeah. but whereas know. most – I mean this is an epic on the scale of – you said you were read War and Peace when you were really young. You like saying yep. that story. It's a scale that huge and massive, but it's condensed so much that it's like it's very hard read. Like you need to understand what you're getting into because it tells a massive story in a very short period of time and it doesn't lay anything out for you. You have to figure it all out as you go along. But it's beautiful. It's beautifully written, um, which is why okay. it's so celebrated and why it's been turned into movies a hundred thousand times. And about yeah, to be a new one. Good. Yeah, none of them Got good. It. But the yeah, new I don't one know why you're so hopeful about the new one. Because so far, they've all been pretty terrible. Well, this is why I'm so excited for the new one. Um, it's directed by uh, Denis Villanueva. That's not how you say his name. I don't know how to say his name. Who um, he directed... Where was he? He directed Arrival. And what was the other... Um, Filmography. Here we go. He directed Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 and Sicario and Prisoners and Enemy and all of these amazing movies of the last several years. J.J. Um, oh, Abrams directed a whole bunch of stuff and also the newest Star Wars. So... Yeah. yeah, I know. It's not definitely good. But then the cast is also epic. Um, you know. The cast includes... Oh, you stupid thing. Uh, I'm just going to reread the cast of the Justice League because no. that movie was terrible too. Jason Momoa is in it. But Timothy uh. Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Jason Momoa, Stalin Skarsgård, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin. Like, it's an amazing cast. Got an amazing director. Wait, so just the cast of the Avengers plus the DC Universe. Got it. And like some Star Wars actors thrown in there for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And like... Young Atreides being played by Timothy Chalamet. Like, Timothy, I mean, Paul, 
Atreides as a little kid is a total dick. And I think Timothy Chalamet looks like a total dick, and I don't know why everyone loves him so much. So it's a perfect casting. Um, yeah, it's and Stellan Skarsgård as the bad guy. It's very well done casting wise. So I'm su- an amazing director, written by Eric Roth, um, who is the uh, he's the director of like he's the writer and director of Forrest Gump, The Insider, uh, A Star Is Born, like. Yeah, it's got it's well like the people who are putting this movie together, I have the best hopes for because all the other ones who have done it have been like people from the Sci-Fi Channel who decided to make a Dune movie and it didn't work obviously. Well, there's a uh, very 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 famous saying in the stock market. It's basically past performance is no guarantee of future results. Okay. We're trying to rain on my parade. I'm excited about a movie based on a book, which doesn't happen very often. So let me have this. <laughs> mm, I really don't want to. I know you Kind don't. of in a rain on your parade type of day. Yeah, and I've had a shitty day, so you're just being an ass. Right. Mm, no, there's a method behind the madness. Mm, you're making yourself the enemy? I don't see how that's a good method. Allow me to this. redirect you to another quote. This one from The Fabled Stories of Batman. The night is always darkest just before the dawn. I don't see how that applies, but okay. Your life's shit. The more it gets, the better it gets. That is terrible logic. Well, clearly. <laughs> Your friends are having a shitty time. Don't pile on because you think that's going to make it better later. What the Why hell? not? Everyone <laughs> always says it can't get any worse. Your goal should be to make sure it can. God. Do not take Stephen's advice. That's terrible advice. I am a licensed psychologist. No, you are not even remotely a licensed psychologist. Correct. Our legal team says I can't say that. <laughs> They're giving me eyes right now. Is it just Jen glaring at you from the room? No. I, I, don't think I hired she a lawyer a specifically for this episode. That's, you know, I hope you don't think I'm helping pay for that. <laughs> Oh, you are. That's why he gave me the thumbs up while I read your phone number out loud. He thinks it'll help with advertising. Oh, mm. well, he's wrong. I'm cutting. No, that I, out. I patched you into a really dubious site that sells personal information. It's yeah, great. what information of mine isn't just out there? So well, your social security number was just downloaded forty three thousand times on the dark web. So that's okay. My credit's not. I mean, actually, my credit's getting better. Please don't ruin my credit. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting better. <laughs> okay, tell me about your book before you... Well, first I want to know how you feel about your credit score Get my being stolen. a four. It's, no, that's terrifying. <laughs> credit score of four. What's that line from Happy Endings? when they're? Oh, yeah, they ask him uh, why everyone... Uh, Max asks why, he, why everyone else thinks he couldn't survive on his own. And they all say the things at the ones at the same time. But one of them says credit score in the tens. <laughs> <laughs> and every yeah. single time that kills me. <laughs> Anyways, tell me about your adventure story. All right. So The Extraordinary Adventures of Alfred Kropp is a young adult novel um, by Rick Yancey. And I remember reading it when I was younger and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and normally I I don't enjoy books like this just because of the character, but the character is a big fat guy who doesn't really do anything, which I appreciate. 
Um, yeah, he just watches TV and like hangs around enjoying being chubby. So <laughs> living the life. Um, then he gets tricked into stealing um, a sword and everyone wants to go after it. And if you've ever read literature, you can guess what sword this is. It's Excalibur. Um, it's definitely Excalibur, which, you know, whatever. This is written for like young people, but it's kind of a wish fulfillment novel where you're a kid and you're like, man, I wish someone would trick me into doing something illegal that sends me off on a wild adventure through the entire world. Wait, and that happens in this book. Quick time out. Did you have a King Arthur theme for all the books you mentioned earlier? Most of them. Yep. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I like King Arthur. No, I, um, I just I put it together and was proud of myself. Right. Um, there was a couple of outliers, but you know. Doesn't the thief uh, lord at least take place? No, it takes place in Venice, doesn't it? it takes place in Venice. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, what? I was like, does it, I was about to say, doesn't it take place in London? But nope, it definitely takes no, place in Venice. That's kind of yeah, an important those part are of the not story. The same place. <laughs> yeah. One's underwater. And the other one is Venice. Yep. So, literally rains so much. Anyways, um, so a lot of the quote-unquote mythology of the story centers around um, King Arthur, Arthurian legend stuff. But basically there is a secret organization that is in charge of fighting bad guys. And Alfred Kropp ends up with them. And he gets to just do a whole bunch of super cool stuff. Like there's a point where they are riding in a Ferrari and one of the people helping Alfred leans out of the side of the Ferrari because a bunch of guys on motorcycles are chasing them and he shoots them with a bow and arrow and it's awesome <laughs> and they all die and it's so cool. And uh, the whole book is basically just ridiculous shenanigans like that where things are blowing up, people are getting shot with bows and arrows, people's heads are getting chopped off with swords. It's kind of dark, honestly. The main character gets stabbed all the way through. And we know how he likes Excalibur. his stabbings. It was great. It was the best thing ever. He dies. That's cool. Okay, but what's the plot? <laughs> oh, I don't even remember. It was just a fun read. <laughs> Oh, I feel like the teacher who's like had a, had a student come in and just say a bunch of bullshit that he obviously did not read the book. <laughs> like, okay, honestly, I just remember this book in like flashbulb moments. Like, there's a point where he's attacked by three monks holding swords, which is also a cool visual. Okay, but like, how does he get Excalibur? Why does he have it? Um, Does he so have some purpose basically, to fulfill? no, I actually do remember most of the story. It's just funnier to say I don't. That's um, and you're ruining the joke right now. Oh. Um, <laughs> but basically, basically, there's um, a guy who calls Alfred's uncle because you know obviously Alfred can't live with his parents because they have to be dead for a child's story to work. Right. But he's living with his uncle, and um, his uncle gets a call and is offered like a butt ton of money. If he can return a stolen object for this weird angel investor. Um, and so Alfred ends up getting voluntold to go steal the sword. And uh, he does. And then is attacked by the three monks. <laughs> and uh, then I'm pretty sure Alfred kills the monks. 
which is like some dubious theology there. But yeah. I don't know how many years in hell you get for monk killing. But it's got to be depends more on than the five. kind of monk and what mythology you're in. I don't think it does. Monks are generally considered to be pretty good dudes. I don't know. Journey to the um, West, which you said you were reading, is all about killing some uh, monks. Yeah, but those monks are bureaucrats. That's a little different. I mean, I'm just saying. I no, found that's a, a different flaw type of in monk. your that's theory. Like, no, that's not the same thing as a monk. Monk. That's like if I said that I was a preacher but I was actually a preacher who got certified online and only used my status as a preacher in order to, I don't know, ritualistically smoke methamphetamine okay. as part of my religion. I'm just saying there's a big portion of the story about like um, them fighting against Taoism and killing a bunch of monks. And, but like again, that's not exactly what's happening, and I don't know that – this is really on topic for it's my It's not story. on topic at all. I was just so, making an argument I'm against your killing all monks is bad. I'm going to ask you to go find the nearest <laughs> sword and shove it. I don't have a sword. And I want to well, shove you're it not going to have a butthole either after you use it the way I asked. Um, um, so anyways. I think I'd still have the, one. It would just be all sliced no, open. No, no. We're going to stop right there. <laughs> I'm just going to keep talking until you're done talking because this is PG rated and I don't need it to turn into the human centipede just because you want to make a joke that you think is funny but is actually the stuff of a Lovecraftian horror nightmare. I don't think that happens so, in the human thanks, centipede. But no thanks. I'm still talking just because you're talking. <laughs> so anyways – the entire story is essentially them trying to get the sword back and protect the sword and blah, blah, blah. It's great. Did you say skirt? No, I said it's great. Oh, okay. It does sound fun. I do like it's fun. some fun nonsense so reads sometimes. It's kind of like – so most of the books we discuss are like a movie, right? They're mm -hmm. They're long – They've got a full story arc. There's depth to the characters. This book is like a Saturday morning cartoon. Ooh, yeah, it's love just those. fun. Yeah. No, yeah, I always need more of those. That's what like sometimes I go back and reread the Animorphs books just because of that. It's like I don't really want to get invested in a long book, but I want something fun and short and interesting, right. and I read through those. Oh, absolutely. So I can definitely add this to that list. How long is it? Well, that's a little deceiving. It's almost 300 pages, but it's written in type that my grandmother could read. Okay, so it's written, I mean, but it's like, yeah. Word, From across a football field. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know how many words it is, but. Well, that sounds, I will definitely check that out. It sounds like I'll legitimately check it out of the library. That sounds like a fun read. Oh, it's pretty good. It's also the first in the series, so oh, if you like, oh, dad, And then you said that I don't want to start. A no, new no, no. Series. It's not. It's not part of a series. Series. It's a standalone book, and the author sold a million of them, so he was like, "I'm going to write another one." Okay. It wasn't intended as a, as the beginning of a series. Nope. It was. It was standalone. Okay. That's readable then. until he made a ton of money. I can't. Can't we start a new series? I'm reading too many books at once. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. I got like five books for Christmas that are all really interesting. <laughs> I started reading. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. Speaking of that, all right, is it time to talk about books that we both read well, or both, are reading? First, we have to yeah. say if we are going to. I don't know. Are you going to read my book, book? Joel? Get I to it already. I told you are I was going to check yes it out. No? Are you going to finish Dune? Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. I actually was at a bookstore the other day and I looked at it and I was like, I need to read that. Yes, you do. 
Awesome. Uh, we got to do book condoms, and then we can go on to our ongoing reading section or read along with me yeah. or whatever we call that section. Oh. Ah, yeah, you're talking so much. So I'm going to go to my book condom real quick. <clears throat> An unforgettable new hero who saves the world by accident. Alfred Kropp is the last person you'd think could save the world, but when this oversized underachiever gets roped into a suspicious <laughs> get-rich-quick scheme, his life takes a turn for the extraordinary. Little does Alfred know he's been tricked into stealing Excalibur, the legendary sword of King Arthur and the most powerful weapon ever wielded by man. With an ancient order of knights in hot cars, thugs on motorcycles, and a mysterious international organization following his every lumbering step, Alfred undertakes a modern-day quest to unravel a thousand-year-old mystery and return the sword to its rightful place. Fun. I love that the back cover repeatedly just hit home the fact that he was fat. a big, yeah. fat kid. I also love it's that hilarious. you started with a voice and then immediately abandoned it. Right. I don't <laughs> want to keep the voice. <laughs> it was fun. Okay, um, book on for Dune. Set on the desert planet Arrakis. There's the name of that planet. Dune is the story of the boy Paul Atreides, heir to the noble family tasked with ruling an inhospitable world where the only thing of value is the spice, melange, a drug capable of extending life and enhancing consciousness. Coveted across the known universe, melange is a price worth killing for. When House Atreides is betrayed, the destruction of Paul's family will set the boy on a journey toward a destiny greater than he could ever have imagined. And, as he evolves into the mysterious man known as Muad'Dib, he will bring fruition to humankind's most ancient and unattainable dream. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Right. The, that book sounds like a trip. Do it. No, it just sounds like sense. a trip. That's all it does. Um, okay. Also, Muad'Dib is the coolest name. I don't even understand. I can't remember what it, it means. Something about mouse, but it's the coolest name. I just what think is? it's fun. Muad'Dib. Mm, okay. It's yeah. It's just a fun name to say. Mm. All right. Well, um, for all of you who haven't read, what book are you going to talk about? The Starless Sea. Oh, okay. For all of you who haven't read either the Starless Sea or the Lightbringer series, prepare for spoilers ahead or just, you know, duck out now. Thanks for listening. You can find us at book underscore pod on Twitter, at book report podcast on Facebook, at the book report pod on Instagram. And you can email us fan mail at bookreportpod at gmail.com. If we get some, we might read it on the air, and you could be minorly internet famous. That's true. Otherwise, thanks Five for listening. Five minutes of fame, kids. Yeah. Nah. No, no thank you for listening. You know what? F you nah. for listening. Wow, Joel, too far. Okay. <laughs> Children listen to this show. <laughs> okay. We're like, going damn into... Damn it, man. <laughs> we're going into our read-along God, section. Just shut the fuck up. Beware of spoilers. All right, all the riffraff are gone. Um, See your riffraff. I finished book four of The Lightbringer. I am a few chapters into book five, and I have solidified my hate of book three, even though it had some the most interesting concepts, nothing happened in it. However, sure. book four also deserves some just annoyance. It is the weirdest plot device I've read in a while. Yes, it begins and sure. ends with his wife's sexual dysfunction. What? what? Yes, it does. That has. I don't know what? if I don't know if the audiobook because I know you're listening to it, not reading it. But the no, no, um, physical copy of the book has an has afterword a, about all that. Yeah, an afterword. Yeah, about the realistic, the realism of it. I'm like, okay, that did not need to be the main focus of the book. 
Like it was a very large focus of the book. It was a very it was a very important like side plot, but that was shouldn't have been the main like and it wasn't even the main plot of book four. It just became the frame of book four. Like the book end up. Yeah, which is super weird because yeah. on one side of things it can be done tastefully and well done, and it's great that you can address that issue. And it was an actually interesting plot point. Yes, it was. For what it's it worth, just should not it was have very been heavy-handed, excessive. Yeah, so it should not have bookended the story. Yeah. Like you could have left everything the exact same. You just should have had chapters after that. Which in well, the, the in best the part of note, that whole, the best part of framing book four like that is that in the next book. Never even addressed of course. one time in the, at all. In the author's period. note, he explains that Tia's chapters from the fifth book were were originally in the fourth book, but he felt yep. her story mattered more. That part of her story mattered more in the fifth book than the fourth book. And the fifth book is massively longer than every other book before it. And I'm like, yep. if you would just have put Tia's chapters as the actual conclusion. Of book four? No, I actually, it after ended reading so much book five, better. after reading book five, I stand by what he did. Okay. I think he did the right thing. I mean, I'm only like five chapters in, so I, I have no, to I think he 100% did the, the right thing by moving Tia's chapters to book five because it helps keep the narrative tight. Gotcha. And Tia's narrative is all kind of the exact same thing, yeah. whereas Kip is all over the place. Yes. Well... Like it just struck me as all every book has been like honestly I think Tia has one of the tightest story arcs in the series. I like Tia. Tia's my favorite character so far. Um, yeah, she's good. Uh, the every book so far has been like twenty ish hours, like seventeen to twenty four hours long, and this book was thirty eight hours. The final book in the series, and I was like, why are you more than double your like other book in the series? Like what? Why is this so long? Yeah, it's like he tried it's to pretty long. pump a he, bunch. He into rambles it. a little bit sometimes, but I thought that the book kept a pretty good clip for book yeah. five. So. I just feel like it was written a little bit more discovery writing and not as plotted out until it got to this book, and maybe he finally realized how he wanted to end it, so he had to fit a lot more into the last book than he would have if he had plotted it out from the very beginning. Which I don't like. That's not at all negative. That's just different styles of writing. It just struck no. me as odd that it was so much longer. But uh, yeah, book four, um, really good, really good story. Much, much better than three. I really liked this book. Uh, just the framing threw me so much. <laughs> this is how you bookend Kip's stories right now. Yeah, no, that's a fair, <laughs> just fair critique. Very weird. Um, what was the other – I had a specific comment about – Something that happened in that book, and I can't remember now. Um, I don't know. I'm excited you're in book five because it talks a lot about Andros Guile, and I think he's a super interesting character. He is. Oh, I was doing a – I started briefly doing like a fan casting of like if they ever turned this into a TV series or something um, mm -hmm. and did cast like two people and then was like, wait a second. Basically, everyone in this series is black, and I'm being very um, – privileged white dude casting this because none of this casting fits right yeah so I, I i changed over everything and originally my casting for andros was um uh Tyrion from game of thrones like the father of the or is that tywin okay. i don't know tywin. yeah tywin from game of thrones but he's way too white to play uh tywin for the, the 
to play Andros Guile. So um, my second thought was Antonio Banderas. And I think that would he would be make an excellent Andros Guile. Now, nah, see, I would probably vote Anthony Hopkins. Mm, again, I think he's too white. So I don't know that he is, only because I'm pretty sure Brent Weeks drops that plot device by the time he gets to the last book. No, at, well, made by the last book, but every book is talking about how you know darker skin is more, um, more useful in this world because it hides your drafting and everything about that is and. Andrew Scott made a big point in the last book to talk about how uh, he would be more likely to say Zyman wasn't his, uh, you know, grandson than Kip because Kip's so much darker. Fine, you know what? Zyman. I don't like Antonio Banderas, so I'm just gonna flood float another person, Idris Elba. He's not old enough, though. I don't care. You can make him old enough, and he's badass enough to make he it. Is work. I mean, he's actually he's old enough, but he just doesn't look old enough. And maybe it's okay. I don't you know. You can gray him up. Maybe if you swapped out. Um, like it, like a different person played him until he uh, plays Andros until he gets stabbed by the blinding knife, and then Idris Elba takes over because he looks so much younger. <laughs> That'd be a really fun. Eh. <laughs> I mean, we all know that if this movie gets made, it's going to be made with white actors, regardless. Right. So it's Anthony Hopkins is who my vote yeah. is, but that's yeah, not it's going to be really. It's going to all be super whitewashed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Anyways, so, so where are you in the Starless Sea? Um, I don't know. I'm probably like 80 to 100 pages in, oh. and I am honestly struggling with it. Okay. Um, it's very social justice warrior It feels very, very similar to um, hanging out in a college um, liberal arts Yeah, you're not building. far enough into it yet. It hasn't gotten weird um, yet. Oh, it's gotten weird. Like, literally, there was almost an entire chapter where it was just a bunch of people sitting in a room arguing about what makes a story a story. Yeah. And it made me feel like I was back in college and I wanted to throttle <laughs> the entire book because it no. was annoying and pretentious. It was. And everyone was like, huh, I'm an English major with a double major in theater and gender studies and I'm not going to have a job when I graduate college. No, that's, like, that's kind of why I liked it because I hated those portions too and everyone in it. But I've – Excuse me, but I've sat in those rooms where that happened. I was like, this is like, ugh. But yeah, wait. No, I don't like it so far. And it's honestly, um, I liked Night Circus, but it has, it's really damaging my opinion of Aaron Morgenstern. Just the, this all, I swear to you, this has a purpose. Like the the boring and pretentious part of the beginning has a purpose. Like it is the purpose that I toss the book into the fire, no. burning it completely. And then when I burn the book, a key drops out of it that lets me go to a very tall mountain. that lets me jump off a cliff. No, just that would be worth it at this point. Just, um, just your own. Have, has he left college, the college campus yet? Yeah. He went to that dumb pretentious party where no one drank anything normal. And there was a drink called the Hemingway something. And yeah. I was like, he was an alcoholic who died yeah. of suicide. Yeah. Is that not hilariously like ironic? I love that. No, because I think Aaron Morgenstern has probably been like, this is her wet dream of a party where everyone dresses in literary characters and drinks cocktails with fennel syrup in them. Okay. You may not appreciate it as much as I did. I thought all that was hilarious. Um, and, awful but yeah once we'll see i will keep reading just 
because I'm going to trust you on this. Okay. But right now I just feel like I'm hanging out with very specific people I no, went no, to college I know. with and I don't and like I it. And I would hate that party and I would hate those people. Um, but like you're, you're just at the tipping point because I didn't really like the beginning of the book too and I was questioning it. And then things started getting batshit insane and I started seeing the reasons she was writing it this way and why she was intercepting it with all these pointless chapters. And it got... I loved it. I loved it by the end. It takes it a bit, but uh, it's. I, I feel like it purposely lulls you into this is going to be this kind of story, and then it gets way insane. Okay. Well, I will trust you. Okay. You still might not like it. Uh, we do have different tastes in a lot of ways, but yeah. yeah we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I am exactly seven chapters in. I just looked it up of um, – wait, no, nine. That's weird. The audio and the like labeling system on it is different. It says I'm on chapter seven, but the text of it says I'm on chapter nine, which is very strange. But yeah, uh, so I'm barely into book five, so I'll have it finished by next episode probably. Okay. Actually, it's really long. Maybe not next episode. <laughs> Might take you a while. That's okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Because next episode, at least the next episode we record, we're going to be together this weekend. Meh. I got a pack. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Like, share, subscribe, all that fun jazz. Later, losers. <laughs>